We have a um, sports management practice and we provide um, guidance and advice to local governments and sports on the predominantly the synthetic turf surfaces that they can use to get more people playing sports. People all around the world love sport. From playing ball in the backyard through to the Olympic and Paralympic podiums, the majority of the world's population play, watch and enjoy sport. Steve Dart from Play Hard Sports gives listeners the chance to meet people from across the world of entertainment, sports and business who are affecting the way international sport is unfolding. So, with the combination of technology, passion and great people wanting to tell their story, it gives rise to Play Hard Sports Behind the Games podcast. Good afternoon, Martin. Um, beautiful uh, Tuesday afternoon. Uh, how are you today? I'm going really well, considering it's uh, probably the first day of winter down here in sunny Melbourne. Yeah, apparently it's been windy since Saturday, is that correct? Oh, it's been atrocious, but we live in a city where we have four seasons one day, and that's one of the things we love about Melbourne. Sure, I love Melbourne. Um, just want to introduce you, Martin. You're the owner and MD of Smart Connection Consultancy, PTYLTD. And Martin, you were, you're a senior executive manager with over 35 years international experience in both the public and private sectors, working and managing some of Australia's and the UK's leading leisure services and providers. Yeah, it makes me sound really old when you talk about it like that. But yeah, I've been around for a few years, both uh, over in the UK and I moved over here uh, close to 20 years ago. Let's go back. Uh, some of your education, University of Bristol. Tell me a bit about that. Um, when I left um, uh, school in the early 80s, I went first to um, Alsager College, who was ranked one of the top sports colleges, and somehow I scraped in there as being a good club athlete and did uh, track and field athletics. Um, worked really hard there, scraped through a qualification, but I learned a lot in life about network and communication, and yeah, having a bit of fun at the same time. If you work hard, you can play hard. Yeah, I'm glad you said that. Um, okay, so what are you actually doing right now? Um, we have a um, sports management practice, and we provide um, guidance and advice to local governments and sports on the predominantly the synthetic turf surfaces that they can use to get more people playing sports. I'm an advocate of the technology not over natural grass or anything else, but just because it's a vehicle that we can get more kids active. And we need to get more kids playing sports, just playing, recreating within Australia. Because the numbers around Australia show that more and more people are falling into a sedentary lifestyle. So if we can have more facilities to cope, hopefully we can get more programs out there and more people playing and having fun. Wonderful. That leads me into the question of the National Sports Convention 2016. You're the coordinator of that? I am. I'm the convener. This is our third one we've done. We did one in 2013-14. We did uh, a tour last year, and then we've put this one together. And the idea is to bring together policy makers and strategists, people who have been successful in developing innovative programs that are going to make a difference to society. Not people who get half a dozen in, half a dozen there, but people who are bringing together programs have got 10,000, or there's a program up in uh, Queensland which have got 130,000 kids now being more active out in the parklands with a green passport. And they're the ones we want to bring down and be more innovative. 
because we've got a view that if we just carry on doing the same old, same old, we're only going to mess around with the edges. We actually want people to be innovative, and that's why we put the program together. Can you tell me about what gives you, you know, in your hearts and minds, why that is such a direction you want to take? My role is really to um, bring together a number of collaborators from around Australia, peak bodies of sport, of recreation, um, and around fitness, who all are trying to do the same thing, get more people active, have a healthy lifestyle, and use some sports as a vehicle to do that. Um, so the idea of the program isn't just my idea, but it's a collaboration of lots of people who are probably far more qualified than I am in their areas to actually come together with some innovative options. And the idea of we've got, we're trying to bring together people on three levels. What I talked about before, the strategists. So we've got the CEOs of Sport England, CEO of Sport New Zealand, and our own Australian Sports Commission, CEO of Simon Hollingsworth. We're also fortunate enough to have David Gallup, CEO of Football Federation Australia. We've got Cycling Australia. We've got CEO of Vic Health, And we've got a number of other people of that ilk who are just going to talk about the big picture, the policy, the strategy stuff of what we need to do. What can we learn from around the globe in terms of what other people have done and not always got it right yeah, so absolutely. that we can leapfrog over them and move forward? Wonderful. You've got some really nice themes there. Let me just go through them. And theme one is growing participation. Theme two is sports fields. Uh, uh, theme three is sports and leisure facilities. And, and theme four is playgrounds equipment. Why those four? And let's go through the growing participation. Obviously, you just touched on it just then. Yeah, if... Um if we can't get a focus on growing participation, it doesn't matter what the sports fields or the facilities are behind. We really need to have an understanding of what the community really is looking for. All the statistics now are ranking physical activity in terms of fitness, jogging, running, the casualization of sports, if you like. People are now using sports to get fit as opposed to getting fit to do sports, which yeah. is what they did years ago. So we've got to then make sure we have the facilities in place to be able to do that. So I often ask colleagues in the industry, why are we spending 10, 20, 30 million dollars on the new aquatic or recreation center when maybe what we should do is improve the lighting in parks so that women can go around and feel safe jogging around with themselves or a couple of lads can get together and have a bit of a kick around on the grass afterwards. So I think that we need to change where the money is being invested and the idea of the conference is to bring together people with similar or conflicting views on that so we can have a rigorous debate sure i like how you mentioned going back to the grassroots because that's really where you get those recreational um, athletes from grassroots to podium Mm. you get them into the sport that's fantastic what about uh, sorry you're going to say yeah i think that's right if you look at say athletics on the world stage track and field athletics they've got a new president in sebco he's already been on the record saying if we just continue doing world championships over two weeks no one is interested we need to take it to the streets and people like athletics australia are trying to do that at the moment they're bringing a big bash type uh, activity together with athletes from around australia in teams of 30 that should be really really interesting to watch next year but we've also got the ceo of park run in australia coming down And they're um, an organization that is in about, I think it's about 75 towns and cities around Australia. It's been going for about 10 years. It's been going all around the globe for 10 years. And they run a 5K race every week, free of charge, for people just to turn up and run against themselves and socialize. 
that is the grassroots for athletics clubs in the future. But not many athletic clubs are actually talking to them or involved with them. So where are they going to, athletic clubs, expect to get their future athletes? They need to combine with the recreational providers, otherwise the athletic clubs just may seem boring to others. Yeah, you said when we were off here just before that uh, there's a bit of a movement away from mainstream into other sports. Can you just touch on that? Yeah, I think we've seen it um, in the last two years. We've seen two sports which haven't had great participation numbers in the last decade of, say, trampoline and rock climbing. And the amount of trampoline centres that have, have come up from people like Bounce and Fun Lab, etc., who have really packaged it in a way where they've made that sport appealing to the young and to the older people. And if you go along to a bounce centre any weekend, you have to queue up to get in or book weeks and weeks in advance. So they've commercialised a sport or an activity to make it fun. You've got another example with Tennis Australia. They're probably the leading light in terms of traditional sports moving away now to have things like cardio fitness um, and then the uh, ANZ hot shots of an evening. Um, for the kids, really good taking sport back to the grassroots for what people want nowadays. It's not about the old tennis clubs just being tennis in, in their white shorts on the green grass and all of that. It really is about saying, what can the sport do for the people who actually want to play? And people need to move along with that journey. Sure. Do you think people are just stuck in the romance of how it used to be and not adapting to how things should be? Is that where you sort of... Maybe if you talk to people my age and older, probably the romance of the traditional sport is there. But I think if you talk to the young people who have an attention span far less than us and they want to be in and out in 45 minutes because of work commitments or because they have other things on. So the idea of playing cricket for two days over the weekend just isn't as appealing as it was maybe in our day when we were younger. Yeah, sure. Look, you've started some really good publications you've written. I'll, uh, one of them is the Smart Guide to Synthetic Services, Edition 3. Yeah. You're an uh, opinion leader on that, that, that topic. Can you just start to uh, explain what, why you got into that and why you're an expert in that field? Um, the reason I get, got into the field, quite simply, was the growing population in Australia, which has grown from about 20 million to about 24 at the moment, is anticipated to get over 30 million by um, about 2030-something. The idea of being able to cope with the amount of demand we have on our sports fields at the moment, especially around the inner cities, Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, etc., it's really too hard. It can't cope that the fields aren't enough fields to do it. So the only way it can cope is actually by saying, how can we use technology? And there's a number of bits of technology. You've got natural turf using different species, but then that can only still only last for about 25 hours a week. Then you've got what's called a hybrid surface. So it's half natural grass and half synthetic grass. Um, and that lasts for about 40 hours a week. But some of the demand nowadays is for 50, 60 hours a week around the inner cities around Australia. So we've got to look at alternative options. I'm certainly not saying that synthetic should replace all natural turf. I think I'd be castrated by um, the turf people for that. It's really about having one or two to complement the natural turf fields. And that's what we're trying to do. So that's why we got on the technology and we support the technology. I've been exceptionally fortunate. I got uh, on board at an early stage when it wasn't really being um, embraced around Australia. 
Uh, we now have about 75 what I'd call long-turf fields uh, for all the football codes. All of the sports, whether that be world football, uh, world rugby, hockey, uh, and the AFL, all have standards now for, for synthetic fields. And I'm exceptionally lucky to be able to talk to them directly and hopefully influence a bit towards what we need in Australia. Sure. When was the springboard of the, um, uh, I guess, the synthetic services really put forward in Australia? Was it in 2007 when we had the stimulant pack? Is that when it really started to take off? Can you explain a bit about that? Yeah, sure. Um, Hockey uh, for synthetic fields have been used for um, about 30 years in Australia. So they'd had a really good um, bedding in, as had uh, synthetics for um, bowling greens. But the football turf sport started around the 2005-2006, thinking about it, first lot again put in around 2006 at Darabin. They put uh, two and then a a further field in there. The stimulus package, but also the drought was a big uh, driver because down in Victoria, you could only water, I think it was one out of four fields uh, for sport. So they had a huge implication in terms of community participation, community bonding, and physical activity. So people, uh, with the support of the state government at the time, put it in. I think the unfortunate thing was there was a lot of money around and a lot of fields went in. But I think about 30% of them have failed during that time because they were put in quickly. Um, They weren't put in with the, um, the science that we have now, both in terms of civil engineering and also the technology of the uh, performance of the surface. So what we've learned from there is how do we get, make sure we never fall back into that category again. And so we've got about, we have about 10 or 12 fields on on the books throughout the year that we're helping councils do business cases for, feasibility studies, or even the procurement and the design and tendering for them. Yep, so the councils are right behind this as a, as a new field of play? Yeah, I think the councils uh, purchase about 90% of the fields. Um, sport are about uh, 6 or 7%. But the commercial sector are now becoming a player. So we're seeing a lot of five-a-side centres being um, set up. Um, in Victoria, we've got three or four. In Sydney, there's about four. Queen, Southeast Queensland, there's one set up. So we're seeing things like um, bowling greens, which aren't being used as much, being converted to two five-a-side fields and being inundated with uh, people who want to play. How do the athletes like that surface? Um, for recreation, I don't think there's any problem whatsoever. The uh, World Cup uh, for women in Canada in 2015 was played on synthetic surface. First time ever that all senior World Cup has been played. So they had seven fields over around Canada. And it was put down because of the coolness of the weather at that time of year. So they wanted to have a consistency of play. Overall, the statistics say that there was less injuries there than ever before in any World Cup. There are some um, interesting case studies around uh, friction burns on skins, um, which is unfortunate. Um, There is still a fear by many people in the community that they may not be as safe as natural grass, and you can't beat natural grass for any sport, well, for any of the long turf sports. Um, But the problem is, is when you want to play lots and lots of hours on it, the natural turf just can't cope. Yeah, they've got a rest, don't they? Yeah. What about some of the um, uh, top-level grounds? Will they go synthetic surfaces, in your view? It's interesting how you define a synthetic surface. 
So if we look at somewhere like the SCG or the MCG, 30 years ago, halfway through the season, they were complete mud baths. So what they've done is they've been very, very clever, and they've used the technology of natural turf species evolving, but they've also um, put in place some synthetic um, stabilizers for the root systems. So that can be either... Um, a, uh, what's called a hybrid surface. Uh, uh, Man, uh, Melbourne City have just invested in probably the best surface in Australia out of their training ground, which is a true hybrid. So that's a synthetic turf gets punctured into the natural turf. And so you've got natural turf and synth fibers and natural grass growing through that. The root system then goes dry, um, grows down and entwines around the natural turf to give greater stability. Most of the stadiums around the country will have some kind of root stabilizer, mat system or stabilizer to give it um, more rigidity so that it can cope with the additional hours. Sure. So what's synthetic? What is it made of? Is it polypropylene or polyurethane? Is that right? Is it? There's a, a number of... Uh, the, the surfaces are made out of different yarns. Okay, so, thanks. And yep. within the yarn... Um, you then have uh, infill. So the idea of the yarn is to replicate what um, um, natural grass is. So you're probably around the same age as me, and you remember um, you had people like Preston and people like that and Oldham back in the old First Division, which is now the EPL over in the UK. And four of these pitches were put in in the early to mid-'80s. And they were, be they were beaten people like Liverpool and Everton, who were the top teams at the time. Um, because the ball bounce wasn't consistent. It was going too fast in one part of the pitch and too slow in another. Right. People were ripping the skin open. And then the world government body and the European government body, UEFA, banned them because of the inconsistency. And what happened then was the suppliers went back to them and said, this is a really good product. What is it that we need to do? And they turned around and said, you've got to make a play like real grass, not just any grass, but real good quality grass. And so really over the last 15 years or so, that's what the suppliers, together with the world government bodies of sport like FIFA, like World Rugby, uh, like the AFL, have been coming together and saying, how can we get a performance that all of our sports can play on? And so that's where they've come up with the performance sports, and that's what drives the systems nowadays. I guess the bounce of the, of the football, which is soccer here, or some people pronounce it, it it's got to be fluent, it's got to be exact. Um, maybe AFL doesn't have to be like that. Yeah, the um, football have got two levels, um, which is the same as rugby league. And they've got, if you like, a community standard and a professional standard or a stadium standard. Uh, AFL only have a community standard. Um, and so the AFL players don't play on it, but the VFL and people like that um, around the States, they, will, they have the ability to play on those surfaces. Some may choose, some may not choose. Um, rugby Union, they've got uh, Premier League, the equivalent of our Waratahs. Um, they're playing on synthetics around Europe. Um, there's about 350 fields around the world, including uh, over in New Zealand where they're playing um, first-rate um, rugby on their fields as well. So I think the sports are moving that way because they can see the benefits of some stadiums not being empty all the time so they can play three four different sports, similar to Amy Park who hasn't got a synthetic surface. Do you think they'll get one soon? Um, no, I, I probably don't think they will. I think that they will explore how they can utilise the surface with natural and hybrid technology first, 
and only if that fails will they go elsewhere. I think that what we'll see in stadiums in Australia is if a, if a state government invests in a stadium which has a roof on so that it can actually be a smart stadium where you can have entertainment for 300 days a year and sport played 50 days a year, which predominantly is what the stadiums are at the moment, you can then make a stadium, stadium pay for itself. But you can't do that with a, without a covered roof, I think. Mm-hmm. And that's where you have no choice because you haven't got synthetic, uh, sorry, natural turf that can grow inside. Yep. So over in America, they've got natural turf, which then gets wheeled out like on a hovercraft, wow. gets wheeled out. And the uh, NFL was played on the final there two years ago. Yep. Um, but that means you've got the land outside to wheel it out too. Sure. If you look at Docklands or Emmy Park, that, there isn't a, the land, which means that you've got to then have something else on the inside. Okay. You're a wealth of information. You uh, do quite a bit of consultancy to the um, councils and, and governments. Yes. Is, is that where you filter your knowledge? They'll come to you for profiling of who to use in the industry. Is that what your role is? Yeah, I see my role is, um, is a number of ways. One is a bit of an educator so that I can share my knowledge and people can make uh, more insightful decisions than maybe what we did six, seven, eight, nine, ten years ago when the fields first got put in in Melbourne. Um, so I, I, that's why I've written the books, why we do the conference, to try and get that knowledge out there. The second stage, or the way I see myself, is trying to be a facilitator, working with... Uh, all the supplies to make sure that we've got products in the industry which are to the standards that everybody needs. So I often get all of the providers together in this um, conference room and we talk about what the issues are and how we can either educate the market or we agree on what the standards are moving forwards. Um, And then the the next stage is I'm just passionate about trying to get more people active. And all I see synthetics is a vehicle to achieve that. In the same way as natural grasses or roads or parks or leisure centres, it's just one vehicle. It's not the be-all and end-all, but it certainly provides local government and sport the opportunity to play more often. Wow, that was a good one. Um, in regards to, you used to be a photographer as well? Yeah, I still do photography. Yeah, is that uh, a, a deep-down passion you've got? And uh, Is this some of the, your photography I can see behind us here? Or? No, no, it, um, this is... Uh, I've I've been very fortunate to um, do photography, whether it be the Tennis Open or World Championships or wherever around the globe, um, mainly around Australia. But it's hard fitting her all in. So the photography, apart from personal stuff, has been put on hold a little bit. And when I have a few more, in a few more years' time, when I've got a bit more time, I'll start travelling and doing it again. Yeah, good one. Um, Just wanted to touch on in regards to the future of the sports and with synthetic. Is that looking healthy in your eyes? I think um, I think sports is looking healthy in Australia if you take in the casualisation of sports and more people playing, which is why we're seeing the five-side centres going up, why we're seeing hockey fives, AFL nines, T20, um, five-a-side, etc. So I think on that side, sport is growing. I think the synthetics is one of the vehicles to actually support that growth, and it should be taken in that context. So the way we design fields should be for both the traditional side but also about the casual side. And casual can be having a kick around with your mates or it can be a social competition. And what we're finding is many of the sites that are being developed and the way we're designing them or we're specifying them to be designed means that we're designing stuff for what we think sport's going to be like in 10 years' time. 
and that may be very different from what it is at the moment. Give me a little bit deeper information to that. Like, what do you think? If um, if you look at um, um, football or soccer, at the moment people uh, play eleven-a-side soccer, but during the week people haven't got time to train as much as they used to. But they don't mind having a kick around with five, six of their mates against another five or six people in the recreational competition. So you've got down, say, Knox, which uh, Football Federation Australia, uh, sorry, Football Federation Victoria uh, run. And what we're seeing is people will do that. So we need to develop and design 11-a-side fields that can cope with 11-a-side maybe the weekends when the matches are on. But then during the week, they can actually be designed so they've got netting systems around which allows five-a-side or futsal to be played indoor or outdoor sure. on this occasion and on the outdoor. So I can see the fields being designed that way. Rugby the same. So rugby have um, released uh, Viva 7s uh, a year or so ago at the Australian Rugby Union, and they play cross-field. And that will allow seven-a-side, if you like, to play Rugby League, they've got uh, touch football, which is huge up in New South Wales, absolutely huge. And the amount of people playing that over lunchtime and after work, again, to keep fit, but in a competitive social way, means that people are still playing the sport. And if sport can embrace that, and we have the designs of the fields to be able to cope with it, I see it going to be a healthy growth in sports in Australia. Great sum up. Just some of your influences that, that I've researched you on is obviously Richard Branson, Bill Gates and Tony Robbins. Why are those three guys for your influences? Um, it's always nice to look outside the industry with people who have succeeded. Um, I like Gates because he's obviously was uh, an innovator when he started. Um, he's captured the market uh, probably up to about now. Um, but He's now realised there's more to life than just money. Yep. And he's now, with his wife, set up the Gates Foundation and has now put his money back into where he can actually really make a difference to people's lives. And that's really around the health. And what we're trying to do in sport is give people healthy opportunities. And so I've never, I never expect to be as rich as um, any of the Gates family, but in a very little way we can all do something back into the community. Thank you, Martin. Thanks for uh, spending some time with us this afternoon. You're very busy and I uh, want to thank you very much for all you're doing for sports. Um, if people want to get in contact with you, what's the contact details for you? Uh, the easiest places go onto our website, so that's smartconnection.net.au and all of our contact details. And we've got hundreds of free documents that people can get download there out of our library that may help them with the planning or the delivery of sports as well. Thank you very much, Martin. Pleasure, thanks.